Hi, good morning and welcome to the um, ZP um, webinar. We do this kind of webinar every um, Sunday at 8am um, and we have a look back at the news for this week. So I just want to say hi to um, Aftab who's um, come on really early this week. So nice to see you Aftab. Um, and I'll try and highlight some news that might be kind of interesting and relevant um, to you guys. So let me just um, jump straight into it. And um, I think this will be sort of interesting. You know, people often ask us, you know, how long do um, CGMs or continuous glucose monitoring actually run for? Um, the reason that CGM, you have sort of, you know, transdermal CGM where the sensor goes through the skin and into the interstitial fluid, those kind of sensors, um, what stops them running for an awfully long time is um, really the immune response. They get biofouled, you know, proteins and cells get deposited around the sensor and it blocks the sensor. Now, the, there's another type of sensor then, which is the um, needle type of sensor. These are sort of transdermal. And there's not a transdermal needle sensor on the market. There's only academic work at the moment. Now, the reason I was sort of slightly talking about that was because um, Aftab is, on, um, is online today. We get a lot of inquiries from across the globe, including a lot from India. And so I just wanted to highlight that um, on our news sort of channel this week, we put out that, you know, these glucose sensors that we have, you know, they last for like, you know, over 125 days. Hi, Ali. Nice to see you. Now, the reason that these um, sensors last over 125 days um, is because what stops sensors working in the body is very rarely the sensor itself. It's actually the biofouling um, encapsulation that I uh, mentioned earlier on. So I just wanted to kind of highlight that, you know, we've been continually running a sensor for um, over 125 days. If you're watching the video uh, version of this, you'll see that we have little dips in the current that I've like highlighted with arrows. And those little dips are when we essentially put the sensor into zero millimolar glucose just to make sure that the sensor's still um, operating. So you can see that um, what I want to say is, you know, glucose sensors are not intrinsically have short lives. And um, the enzymes are actually really quite robust. Um, it's actually the, the sort of the biology of putting these sensors into humans or into animals that ends up fouling the sensors that shortens the life. But here's some good evidence that you can continually monitor a glucose solution for something like 125 days. And at this point, this sensor is probably still running and probably still going quite strong. I, I would have at this point really not much of a concern to say that a well-constructed um, glucose sensor in an in vitro experiment could probably run for you know a year um, but when I have the data then I will um, essentially share it with you guys so that was the first bit of news this week that we just put some data out there of a very long experiment where we've been running for days and days and I suppose that's a sort of you know it it tells you that what our labs must be like that you can set up these experiments and you know you can just leave them running for that kind of um, length of time now um, I know that Ali and Aftab have seen this already, but we did sort of do a paper um, with the University of Swansea um, that was published this week. And in that paper, um, they were using kind of screen printed graphene um, electrodes and also pH electrodes. 
and essentially it's it's recognized in our products that we do have a really good um screen printed ph sensor i know ali in particular has an interest in water monitoring so ali you know we we, we have this version of our ph sensor um you know, i know it still seems expensive but we're selling 10 sensors at like 20 euros each and it's just to make the point really that you know um you can make these kind of screen printed electrodes very low cost and then when we do the higher volumes i believe if i if i remember rightly that we're you know we're we're doing electrodes for much um less than you know 20 euros each so I'm a big believer that eventually we'll get to a point where a lot of water testing, a lot of environmental testing is done on these kind of low cost um, type of screen printed electrodes. Um, now, the reason, I was, as I say, I was talking about these pH ones is because we did the paper with Swansea University. Um, but it's also probably just worth saying that I'm really quite excited by this, to be frank. And I'd be very interested in people's thoughts and comments around this because we've also made a um, graphene um, electrode um, now um, and it's kind of I think I, th I think it's um, I think it's the lowest cost graphene electrode on the market but of course I don't always know um, what other people's pricing are but I know that you know the fact that I think this is a fairly low cost um, graphene electrode so i would be super interested in you know if this is not the lowest cost graphene electrode in the world then i'd be super interested to know what it is for me the reason that we've made this kind of graphene screen printed electrode is because people want it but it's also to prove the point that this stuff can be low cost um and yeah and so we did it so a couple of things we did a paper with swans university this week um we've also uh, as a derivative of that we have our ph sensor now and we also have our graphene screen printed electrodes so um happy to have done the collaboration and happy to have these um, products that reflect the collaboration now um i have already mentioned it but i think it's just interesting to know about this kind of thing um that i'm if you're following along on the video at the moment uh, that's interesting to know. Aftab just said that in his knowledge, it is low cost, the graphene electrode. So that's good. Um, now, the reason I'm showing this particular photo, if you're filling the video, it's a picture of um, Birgitta and Evan. So Evan is the um, is the Evan Zimmer in Zimmer and Peacock. And this is Birgitta, one of our um, lead biologists. It's an unusual business, actually, that we do have you know scientific disciplines involve at least a biologist we must have some biochemists material scientists chemists um and then obviously electrochemists as well um so Birgitta is one of our biologists Evan and her were at a conference in Norway called Tekmar and um, Tekmar I think a literal translation would be like technology C so I know I've said it before but um, we're very interested in the sensors for the um, for the salmon farming. Sort of fish farming is an important source of protein in the world. And at Zimmer and Peacock, we're developing a glucose sensor and a cortisol sensor um, for measuring um, 
those analytes in the fish. So I know that, you know, Ali and Aftab have seen these um, types of videos before, but um, it's really coming on now. The cortisol sense is becoming very um, much more sensitive. I think we're down at, I think I want to be ridiculous and say that we're, we're lower than one nanomolar now in terms of sensitivity on the cortisol sensor. So it's, it's getting really quite robust. Um, and these sensors, the initial driver is to get them into fish, but obviously the sensor doesn't mind where it goes in the end. So that's just the sort of starting point for us. So I was grateful for Birgitta and Evan for going to Tecmar and they presented um, our technology um, at that conference. We did have our usual um, ZP Developer Zone webinar um, this week. It was kind of an interesting one because obviously, you know, we were, we were talking about measuring glucose in the sweat, which was really the main topic of conversation this week. Um, <laughs> and it was interesting because from the conversation, it kind of, you know, we were talking about whether there's really a good correlation between um, glucose in the blood and glucose in the sweat and we were all discussing that it's it's a hard one to actually say that there is a good correlation and so the gentleman who was asking the question was said live well what would you recommend and we sort of said well maybe micro needles would be the direction to go in um but we'll sort of see from there but that's the nice thing about i would say the zp developer zone you know that is actually quite interactive um and you know we'll you know we'll get some really good comments from people like ali and aftab who are online with us today so i appreciate that now this might actually be very interesting um particularly to um aftab um so what so at zoom and got we have a database called julie we are at the moment the biggest users of julie julie allows us to upload our electrochemical data analyze our electrochemical data share our electrochemical data and I've always been interested in obviously making Julie smart by bringing sort of AI capabilities, artificial intelligence capabilities into Julie and doing data classification. Now, what we've done is we've expanded Julie now to actually be able to um, receive images. You can actually, uh, Julie's becoming much more, let's say, like an electronic, um, electronic lab notebook. And, um, but we've also expanded it because we have a particular sort of client of, of it who is interested in this, that we now have an app and the app is essentially a conduit to Julie. It can bring data into Julie. And this app has a very specific function. It's meant to actually take pictures of, it sounds crazy, but cookies or biscuits, depending on where you are in the world. And what you do is you take a picture of the cookie or the biscuit and you classify it as cooked, overcooked, or undercooked. At which point now the image goes to Julie and you're essentially training it. I mean, I think both of you, Ali and Aftab will get this. This is essentially, um, we're tagging the data or the user is tagging the data and the database is essentially looking at these tags, looking at the images, and they're then able to start learning how to classify um, whether you know the, the the cookie is burnt or or you know or perfect let's say so that's something that's slightly unusual and now i bring it up especially to ali and aftab who are online because 
I'm really thinking about other applications that we can use Julie for. I mean, just as an F, just as a comment, guys, um, I'm just going to grab a lateral flow strip um, that I actually happen to have um, on my desk here. Um, and so I was kind of being thinking to myself, well, actually, we can use um, this kind of image recognition, image classification to start working on, you know, classifying colorimetric assays. So Zimmer and Peacock, you know, we are, you know, we're an electrochemistry business. As we develop our technologies like this image classification for Julie, it would allow us to become involved in things like colorimetric assays, maybe lateral flow assays. You know, so at the moment, if you do a lateral flow strip, the only, you know, there's no way of digitizing the signal. But of course, if you take a picture and you upload it to something like Julie, then we can actually do image um, classification um, on this. So Aftab is just to sort of agreeing with this as well, because I know Aftab has a kind of a background and an interest in this kind of thing. So I went slightly off on a tangent there, but I'll bring it back a bit and sort of say, um, at Zimmer and Peacock, the news is, you know, we have Julie. It is powerful. It's getting powerfuler. We are using it a lot. We actually have a client now who wanted us to come up with a way of um, allowing them to determine in their factory whether they were preparing the cookies um, correctly. And so we made a app that runs on the front end of Julie. You can take a picture of the biscuit and you can start training the database. You're right, it's um, machine learning. Um, and I am interested in expanding this kind of image capture you could use it in crops you could use it in maybe looking at the clarity of water i'm just kind of you know thinking aloud a little bit but anything that where this where the data is in is an image or color we could start um rolling it out to applications let's say like that all right i'll roll back a bit now and carry on with our um news um and i think i'm coming to the last bit of the news now i think this is actually quite interesting um, right, so at Zimmer and Peacock, like other companies, we do thick film printing, for example, and I'll, maybe I'll use gold as the, as, as, the, um, as the example. So we do thick, thick film printing of gold, we make some nice gold screen printed electrodes, great, love those. Um, we also do some vapour deposition of gold, um, and they make for really nice um, gold uh, electrodes as well. And I might just kind of... Sh um, touch on that just very quickly on the video so we do have those nice screen printed gold electrodes they work to be frank really well um, the, the guys know this you know that the biggest consumer of, of ZP screen printed gold electrodes is Zimmer and Peacock and so they have to be good because we have to use them day in day out um, and then over the years you know we've expanded our capability and we make quite a nice sputtered gold electrode these days. Um, I'm even quite interested in some of these sputtered gold electrodes because we put these little wells onto the electrode and they're quite good for people who want to do kind of spot testing or discrete testing um, of um, samples. We've got this little vessel that sits on the electrodes and you can put your kind of sample into there. So, and that's on a sputtered um, electrode so we have screen printed electrodes, sputtered electrodes. And the reason I'm kind of listing that out is because we have a, um, a sister company called Massia Sensors. You'll see them on um, LinkedIn and you'll see them um, 
You'll see them around the web. And what they've just done is, I think this is really quite good. They've just made gold electrodes from PCB from printed circuit board. Now, before you go, that's been done before. I know it's been done. Zimmer and Peacock has done it. Um, I've worked with companies that have done it in commercial, you know, commercially as well. But what people don't tell you a lot of, and I do talk about it, is actually PCBs corrode. So if you do ever Google like corrosion, PCB, electrodes, Zimmer and Peacock, if you Google those kind of words together, you'll find some evidence from our website that, you know, these electrodes corrode. Underneath the printed circuit board gold, there's, you know, there could be chromium or nickel, there could be some copper around that they basically corrode. So what the reason I'm talking about all of this is we put an image up this week where we show normal gold used as an electrode and it shows some very odd shapes. And it's essentially because the liquid has got through the gold and is having a corrosion with the underlying materials. So it says um, if you um, use normal PCB gold as your electrode, it's not that robust. But our sister company, Massive Sensors, they visit our, our labs and they've developed this process where they actually make a much more robust, much more, um, I want to say almost perfect electrode. And um, I'm just looking at the data online at the moment and I almost feel like the, well, the peak separation is pretty, it's not it's not 57 millivolt peak to peak separation, but it's not bad. It's about a, it's a, it's a yeah, it's a couple of hundred, but it's not bad. Um, and what, what I want to say here is, Yes, there is a big interest in using PCBs as electrodes. There's actually a bit of a problem that people don't talk about, but if you want to find out about the problem, just Google Zimmer and Peacock Corrosion PCBs um, and you'll soon find it. But I would say that the sister company, Massive Sensors, um, have actually solved this problem um, by um, you know, basically coming up with a much better um, PCB for um, biosensors. So just an FYI and a and a, hopefully next week then we'll start putting these things onto our web store um, so that people can benefit from it as well. So there we are. Let me do a summary um, of what we've talked about. It's kind of interesting. When you look at the news from Zimmer people this week, it's highly technical, in fact. So we put some data out there to say, you know, um, electrochemical sensors, electrochemical glucose sensors, you know, we've had them running for over 125 days. We put some information out there this week that says, you know, we think we've got the world's lowest cost graphene um, electrode. I'm really pleased with it. Um, we do a lot of um, biosensor development, um, but in fact, we sometimes um, do it for veterinary applications, including fish. I appreciate the guys Aftab and Ali coming along to our ZP developer zone on um Thursday there was a was a really good discussion and we we actually had a little live discussion about whether you know somebody should be trying to measure um, glucose in sweat. Um, I think this one's particularly interesting to Aftab that the Julie database that we have um, actually allows the uploading of images these days and we can do image classification and then just finally I think this is kind of interesting to people like um, Ali because he's particularly interested in doing you know, low-cost sensors. Um, we have uh, been working on making PCBs more robust so they can actually be used as electrodes in electrochemical biosensors. 
So I will wrap up now. Um, I appreciate you guys coming online. I appreciate um, the people who follow us on the ZP Developer Zone. And if you're not a member of the ZP Developer Zone, don't forget it is um, free to join. So thanks, uh, Aftab, and thanks, Ali. I appreciate it. Um, well, I'm going to go downstairs and have some coffee and stuff like that now. So I will say thank you very much and um, speak to some of you um, very soon. Okay. Take care, guys, and thanks for following along with the vlog and the podcast. Take care. Bye-bye.